This morning, I want to pose a question, and it's going to be a question that I think is probably uh, a question that seems rudimentary when I ask it. It's a question that probably you're going to say, well, Pastor, you should probably be in kids' church. Let Pastor Tara come down here because she's probably teaching on one king that none of us can even pronounce his name, and I'm preaching this in, 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 in adult church today. We probably should flip roles. But I feel like God is, is causing us to ask a question or answer a question this morning. And how many notes? My kids have already learned this, that if in church someone asks a question, what is the answer? There it is, right there. That's what you say. I mean, you... Half the time you're going to get it right. If you get it wrong, the teacher's still going to love you for saying Jesus, and so everything's good. Um, But ultimately, I I want to ask a question this morning. It's going to be the most, I mean, I believe this is the most important question that you'll be asked in your lifetime. As parents of young kids, we're asked lots of questions. How does this work? Why did you do that? What is this? What is that? Uh, Constantly questions. I'm going to tell you this morning that the question we're going to look at, it's not going to be Pastor Steve's question, but it's going to be a question from God's Word, is the most important question that you will ever be asked in your lifetime. Uh, last Monday, we were able to go, uh, a couple guys, Mike Mike and Mike, Mike Witt and Mike Chin and I, we went to um, the Light for the Lost banquet. Light for the Lost is a, is a program that the Assemblies of God does that provides basically materials for evangelism to missionaries. That's the whole point of it, is to, get, to equip our missionaries with materials. Typically, it's written... You know, so they translate scriptures, all that stuff. And that's, that's really what is accomplished in this. And, and at this banquet, they serve steaks because everybody likes steaks. And then they have a, a mission speaker who comes in. And, and our speaker's name was Jerry Spain. And Jerry Spain, for me, is uh, one of my heroes of the faith. I say it, he's a, he's a Valentine, Nebraskan, if, you can, if, if that's the way you say that. He's a native of Valentine, Nebraska. God called him to the mission field. And he is literally one of our heroes when it comes to the assemblies of God anyway, of missionaries in Africa. He spent 40-plus years in Africa sharing uh, with the, the people there the good news of Jesus Christ. And you can imagine, uh, Jerry's uh, getting older now. He's retired from missions. And, and, and someone who's done that for 40 years has lots of stories. And, I mean, there were some cool stories. There were some crazy stories. There were some interesting stories he shared. That's why I love missionaries. They always tell us stuff that we only read about or we see in movies. But, but Jerry lived it. But I wasn't, when I left, I wasn't drawn, what, what stuck in my spirit wasn't a story that he shared, but a truth that he let us know about. And he said at some point in his talk, he said, you know, it's challenging at times when you minister to Muslims because Muslims know who Jesus is, or they think they do. That according to the Muslim faith, that Jesus was a great prophet, he was a great man, he was an exceptional person. And he said the challenge in ministering to Muslims is that they, they have to go from what they know to what the truth is. And to get them from believing that Jesus was something more than just a good man to being the son of God is where it becomes so challenging. That just resonated in my heart. It's, it stuck with me and I wasn't sure why. This week in men's Bible study we were reading in the book of Luke and I'm going to read in the book of Mark because sometimes the Gospels... Uh, especially Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they'll have stories that coincide with each other. So sometimes when you read one, you might want to look at another one. And I want to be in the book of Mark this morning. Because in the book of Mark, it's this question that I'm talking about. It's the question that, that we all have to answer. It's a question that, 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 that we need to wrestle with this morning and every day. The book of Mark, just in case, uh, real quick, was a book that was kind of, it's the most concise of the Gospels. 
So if you want to read the Gospels quick, you go to Mark. He just kind of gives the facts. He's writing to a persecuted people who just need to know the truth of Jesus Christ. Anyway, I want to read these verses in the book of Mark. Before I do, I'm going to pray that God's anointing continues. Father, we thank you for what you've done in this place. We thank you for the presence of God that is real. For the anointing of God, for the power of God, for the assurance of God. And God, we pray your anointing would continue in this room. We ask that you would help us to hear what you're speaking to us. God, I yield myself, I yield who I am to you this morning, asking for nothing but the very will of God to be accomplished in these next few moments, Lord, that we would see and know, that we would hear and understand what you're speaking through the Spirit of God, through the Word of God, this morning to our hearts, in Jesus' name, amen. Mark chapter 8, my clicker is not working just yet. Mark chapter 8 says, Jesus and his disciples, now this is right after he's just fed 4,000 people, and, and so some of these cool things have happened with Jesus. So Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way, yes. I mean, this is like just curious Jesus. Hey, who do the people say I am? I mean, that's a good question. Sometimes I want to ask people that question myself. What are people saying about me? Who do they say I am? Jesus looked at his disciples and he says, hey, who do the people say I am? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others, one of the prophets. And Jesus says, but wait, what about you? This is a question I think God's asking us all this morning. But what about you? Who do you say I am? Peter answered, you're the Christ. It means the Messiah and the anointed. This morning, as, as we look at the, the word of God, as we're looking at the book of Mark, I want us to focus on this very question of Jesus Christ. I mentioned the book of Mark. It was a concise book, an account of Jesus Christ. The cool thing about the book of Mark is it tells us in the very beginning what it's about. Sometimes you read a book and, the, and, and what it's about is in the first line. This is the beginning of the gospel. That's the good news of Jesus Christ, about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Mark says, if you read this book, here's what I want you to understand. Jesus Christ, Son of God. If you're you're looking at this book, if you spend time reading the pages of, of what I'm about to write, the accounts that I'm about to share, what Mark sets out to accomplish in this book is for the reader to understand Jesus Christ, the Son of God. I mean, I'm talking kids' church right now, right? In my notes, in my study notes, sometimes your Bible has some introductory notes to, to books that you can read to give you a little context. It was doing the survey of, uh, of the book of Mark. It said, in a fast-moving narrative, Mark presents Jesus as the Son of God and the suffering servant Messiah. The watershed moment of the book is the episode in Caesarea Philippi, followed by the transfiguration where both Jesus' identity and his mission of suffering are fully disclosed to his 12 disciples. The first half of Mark focuses primarily on both Jesus' mighty miracles and his authority over sickness and demons and the signs that God and the kingdom is at hand. 
At Caesarea Philippi, however, Jesus tells his disciples that he openly, he must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, the teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and after three days rise again. Mark, basically, it said that the book of Mark is is being fulfilled. It's it's culminating up into this moment. I mean, a lot of times when we say, what is the culmination, the watershed moment of the Gospels? It's got to be the cross, right? They're saying that Mark built up because he started with what? Jesus Christ the Son of God. This is the moment where Jesus is declared the Christ. Now, I want to say, uh, I'm going to pause on that moment, the watershed moment. When I was a kid, I always knew Jesus Christ. Like, that was his last name, Jesus Christ. You know what I'm saying? Like, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Steve Mallory, I mean, it was the same thing. I didn't, I didn't know the difference in what it was saying. But, but when, when Peter said that, he hadn't been taught in Sunday school to answer Jesus Christ to everything that he was saying. When Peter answered the question that came from Jesus himself, who do you say I am? He responded with, you are Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. You're the one that they talked about in Genesis chapter 3 that the people have been waiting for, the one that's going to deliver the people of God. You're the one who is coming that we've been learning about, that we've been studying about, that is being fulfilled before us. That's who you are. There was something profound in Peter's declaration. Jesus, as he was walking with his disciples, the first question he asked was, who do the people say I am? You see, that's the public consensus. Like, what is everybody saying that I am? And they said that some say you're, you're John the Baptist. Now, what happened to John the Baptist a couple chapters ago? He had his head cut off. So you're John the Baptist. I don't know how they're thinking you're John the Baptist. Dude is dead, but they're saying maybe you're John the Baptist. Who was John the Baptist? John the Baptist was one who came, I call John a peculiar individual in Scripture. He was a weird dude, but a lot of people followed him. That's really who John the Baptist was. And he put people in the water and he dunked them, and he had a lot of people that came. That's who John the Baptist was. He was a peculiar person with a pretty intriguing following. And he said, others say, you're Elijah. Who was Elijah? Elijah was a man of miracles. He was a guy that everywhere he went, just something cool happened. Like you wanted to be watching him because you wanted to see what would come next. And others say, you're a prophet. Who were the prophets? The prophets were the ones that, man, they spoke and you didn't want to hear them, but you couldn't help but hear them. And what they said, it just like pierced you to your soul. It like came right inside of you. They spoke truth. They came from God that at times I didn't want to listen to, but I couldn't help but hearing. They were all men. One was peculiar. One was powerful. And one was persuasive. I just did that in my mind, that alliteration as a pastor. That was good. But none were the Son of God. The consensus of the people was that you were an interesting person that maybe we should follow because you might do something cool and you might say something that I need to hear. That was the public consensus. But Peter cries out when he says, who do you say I am? Peter's response is, you are the Christ. 
You're the Messiah. In the book of Matthew, we can see, like I said, these kind of, they, they follow each other. So it will sound really familiar at the beginning. He adds a little piece to this. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say the son of the man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, and I'm going to pause right there. I want to tell you this is the most important question you're ever going to have to wrestle with in life. I want to tell you that this is a question that you need to know the answer to because Simon Peter knew the answer. I want you to see what happened to him. Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Look at this. You know, I used to watch the show Let's Make a Deal when I was a kid. You ever watch that show? Everybody dress up back like fools? Adults? And they had to make this big choice. What was behind door number three? You want door number three or the box? And they're like perplexed by the answer to the choice because of what reward will come. Some got the car or two cars. And others went home with a donkey. Peter, he picked the correct door. Because when Peter knew who Jesus Christ was, what was the response of the Messiah? What did he promise Peter? He said, you know who I am because you know the answer to this very question. Because you knew what to respond when I asked who I was. Blessed are you. You're Peter. And on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of Hades will not overcome it. We just talked about victory. We sung about victory. You will be victorious. You will prevail. And I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom. Seriously? Why did Peter get the keys to the kingdom? Maybe this is too simple. Maybe this is too easy. I believe he got the keys because he answered the question. I believe that God trusted Peter with the keys to the kingdom because he absolutely knew the answer to the question, Who do you say that I am? There's something powerful when we know who he is. You are blessed when you can answer the question, who do you say I am? 
You know, and I know it's a question that maybe we've wrestled with. Maybe it's a question that, that we've answered at a time. Or maybe it's a question that we've always known the answer to because we were always told that the answer is Jesus when we're in church. And so when everybody asks us the question, it's Jesus. He's the Christ. He's the Messiah. He's the anointed one. But none of us know exactly what that word means. None of us recognize what we're proclaiming when we say he's the Christ. Or when we say he's Lord. Or when we say that he's the Messiah. We don't even know what we're saying, but hey, it sounds good. I said it and they put me in water and everybody clapped. A lot of people have a lot of ideas about who Jesus Christ is. Some of those ideas are right. Some of those ideas are wrong. But the reality that every one of us face, Scripture is very, very clear. We all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. I want to tell you, it doesn't matter what the public consensus of Jesus Christ is. It doesn't matter if you can repeat the public consensus of Jesus Christ. What matters is a personal conviction about who Jesus Christ is. What matters for you when you stand before God is your personal conviction. What do you know? Who do you say he is? He doesn't want to know what your grandma said about him. He doesn't want to know what your pastor said about him. He wants to know what do you say I am? Who do you say I am? Why is this so important? One of those portions of Scripture that always just jumps out, smacks me. I don't like to read it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. But they said who he was. Lord, Lord. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And did we not in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me, you evildoers. See, they know what to say. They know what the public consensus is. But when it comes to who do you say I am, they don't even know what they're saying. It's all Greek to them. Why? Because he never knew them. There wasn't personal conviction. There wasn't a personal relationship with him. I want you to wrestle this morning with who do you say he is? If someone were to ask you that question, if Jesus were walking today with us and he said, here's what I hear the world says about me. The world says that I'm an antiquated theology. The world says that you can't believe in Jesus anymore because it's not real. He was a great man. The world says I did everything. The world says that I healed the sick. But who do you? Like that's when you're stripped away from the crowd. That's when no one's looking. That's when you're not in Sunday school or you're not sitting in a sanctuary. That's when life comes and life's hard. That's when life comes and life's great. Who do you? Who do you say I am? I talked about the book of Mark because, if you recall, it started with what? John 1 or John. Mark started with John 1. Yeah, take that home with you. 
Mark actually started with Mark 1. If you learned anything this morning, just go with that. I think we can all handle that, right, Jim? Mark 1, he sets out that this is the good news of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. We get to Caesarea Philippi, and Peter's proclamation, this moment with Peter, is that this is the Messiah. You are the Messiah, the Son of God, the the Anointed One. Mark chapter 14 Jesus is asked about his identity again. The chief priests, the whole Sanhedrin, were looking for evidence against Jesus so that they could put him to death, but they didn't find any. Many testified falsely against him, but their statements did not agree. Some stood up. This was the public consensus, right? This is who they say he was. Some stood up and gave this false testimony against him. We heard him say, I'll destroy the temple made with human hands, and in three days build another not made with hands. Yet even their testimony did not agree. Then the high priest stood up before them and asked Jesus, Are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. And again the high priest asked him, Are you the Messiah? The Son of the Blessed One. And Jesus' response was, I am. And you'll see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming in the clouds of heaven. The high priest tore his clothes. What, why do we need any more witnesses, he asked. Jesus wanted us to answer the question. The book of Mark is written in such a way that the question is posed or the entrance, we come to this point and it ends with this reality of the identity of Jesus Christ. It's so basic, it's so simple, yet I think it's so profound when we pause and think like what do I truly say about who Jesus Christ is? When the disciples asked him this question in John 14, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. In John 6, he said he's the bread of life. In, in John 8, he says he's the light of the world. In John 10, he says he's the gate of the sheepfold. In, in John 10, he also says he's the good shepherd. He says he's the resurrection and life. He is the true vine. But the question I have for you is who do you say he is? Because that's the question. It ends with the keys. That's the answer. It allows God to look at you and say, You are blessed. And because of your faith, because of your understanding, I will build my church on 
you. And I will tell you this, what we build together, the gates of hell cannot prevail against. You have the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You have the authority of the king of kings and lord of lords. You have access to the very throne room of God because I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the Messiah, the one who we were waiting for. He is the Christ, anointed one, the one who died so that we could have eternal life. Who do you say he is? If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified. It's with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As Scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is the Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How do I know that? I know that because I know who he is. How can I say that? I can say that because it's the promise of God that was fulfilled in his son, Jesus Christ, that died so that my sin could be forgiven that died so that I could have eternal life with him because I was asked the question who do you say he is and I confess with my mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord that means he's in control that God raised him from the dead that that he took what was he defeated death through the cross of Jesus Christ the proclamation of my mouth yeah I was once destined to die because of sin in my life but no longer is that who I am no longer is that who he is because I know the answer to the question This morning, who do you say he is? This morning, as they lead us in in, in a song, I, I don't want this moment to be about what someone else has taught me. I don't even care if it's what pastor just said. I want you to think about who do you say? Like, what's your answer to that question deep in your heart? Would God know you? <laughs> Would he be surprised at your answer? You say, I'm Lord, but you don't listen to me. <laughs> you say, I'm Savior, but you're constantly defeated. You say, you have hope, but you're lost. Telling you. Most important question you'll ever be asked in your life. Who do you say I am? Father, we come to you this morning. And all across this room, God, I pray that that our answers, they wouldn't be public consensus, but God, they would be personal convictions. God, I know it's such a simple question that we feel like we've answered a thousand times. I pray this morning would be a thousand and one. 
maybe it's a question that we've never truly answered and this morning would be number one. The gospel, the good news, the miracles, the the suffering, the cross. The resurrection so that we would know. The words, the teaching, the peculiar way in which people came to see Jesus Christ. The, the multiplication of loaves and fish. The healings that happened. The teachings that were taught so that we would know. Through the way, the truth, and the life. The Son of God that was sent to die because the price had to be paid for sin. The wages of sin was death. But God you wanted us to have eternal life. That was through Jesus Christ. Through the cross allows there to be forgiveness for my sin. Through the cross allows me to cry out, Jesus is my Redeemer. He's my Messiah. He's the one that I have victory through. God, I pray that we can answer the question. In Jesus' name, amen. As they lead us in a chorus, I just encourage you just to ponder for a moment, to, to say la, that's pause and reflect and in, in the terms of, of Psalms. Listen to God asking you that question. And decide what your answer is. If you want someone to pray with you, if you say, Pastor, I, I, I don't know that I have a, a, a personal connection with Jesus and I need someone to help me to experience that. I want an opportunity to pray with you this morning. If you say, Pastor, I, I thought I knew the answer, but man, it just seems like life has been beating me down and, and I don't know the answer anymore. I just am struggling. I want to be able to pray with you. I want to be able to stand with you. I want to be able to help you to, to know the answer, to see what God has for you. I want us to sing that chorus one more time. Uh, but as I do, I want you to picture that when you answer the question, because I'm going to ask the question before we sing the song, that God is looking at you this morning when you mean that with your heart, when you mean that with your being, that he's saying to you this morning, child, you are blessed. He's saying to you because you know the answer to that question. There's a, there's a promise. There's a purpose. There's a foundation that's being built. And I got keys for my kingdom for you. Because I'm telling you, when you sing that song, you say, Jesus Messiah, the name above all names. He's the blessed Redeemer. He has redeemed me from sin. He's Emmanuel. That means God with us. He's the rescue for sinners. The ransom from heaven. That's a salvation declaration. That means if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you believe in your heart that God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. And He wants to say to you this morning, you are blessed, child. There is purpose, child. There are keys, child, for my kingdom.
because you know me. But but what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? The Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you, be gracious to you. May he turn his face towards you and grant you his peace. And may you know who he is because he's seen and heard what you've said. Amen? Be blessed.